Are you feeling disconnected? Have you lost trust in your own inner guidance? Are you looking for a deeper meaning in life or the meaning of life? Visit wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to facilitate your inner growth and help you to connect with your true nature. From a free podcast about consciousness and the afterlife to blog posts, from healing music to dream work and more, Wellness Continuing is the place to elevate your heart and mind. Visit wellnesscontinuing.com. Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Mark Anthony, the psychic explorer, also known as the psychic lawyer, is a fourth generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He's an Oxford educated attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, DC, and before the United States Supreme Court. This psychic explorer travels to mystical locations in remote corners of the world to examine ancient mysteries and supernatural phenomena. Mark appears nationwide on TV and radio, including CBS TV's The Doctors and Gaia TV's Beyond Belief with George Nouri. He is the co-host of The Psychic and the Doc on the Transformation Network. He is a featured speaker at conferences, expos, and universities, which include Brown, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. Mark Anthony is a columnist for Best Holistic Life magazine. He is the author of the amazing book called The Afterlife Frequency, published by New World Library. His other best-selling books are Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. In this episode, you'll hear all about afterlife communication, the science that supports it, and how what Mark refers to as the electromagnetic soul is eternal. Welcome, Mark. Welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you back again. Thank you, Tanya. I always enjoy working with you. We have such a, you know, it, it feels like we're sitting in a coffee shop just having a couple lattes. You know, I always <laughs> enjoy sure talking to you because it doesn't feel like an interview. It, it's a conversation with a, with a good friend. And that's how I like the vibe to be, definitely. I am so excited to talk about The Afterlife Frequency, which is your third book. Yes, yes. Yeah, Afterlife Frequency was just released in October 2021, and I'm I'm very humbled and honored uh, at the the reception to it. I mean, it's it's hit bestseller sat status even before it was released, and it has maintained that uh, going into you know into December, and it's um, the endorsements, um, the respect that it's getting from the afterlife researchers and scientists. Um, and I saw that uh, movie star Shirley MacLaine uh, recommended it in her newsletter, The Shirley Graham. And, uh, you know, that's, that's quite an honor. I, I, was, I was very, very, uh, very honored when I saw that. So, um, and then I was notified by Columbia University that it has been submitted for a Pulitzer Prize. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's 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 just been been um, quite an interesting journey. And the thing is, uh, the afterlife frequency, the time for this book is now, because what 
what I've been doing, Tanya, my entire life, of, I've been studying theology, philosophy, spirit communication, growing up a medium, uh, practicing law. And I noticed that the different forms of spirit communication, whether it's like a visitation somebody may get in a dream or they feel the presence of a loved one with them, or if they come to a medium like me and they have a reading. But what about people who have a near-death experience? or a shared death experience where somebody that they they know uh, is transitioning and they're in close proximity and they begin to see some of the spirits that that person is interacting with, what's known as a deathbed vision, and out-of-body experiences. And traditionally, Tanya, these phenomena have been treated separately. And they've been put in, it's like a salad bar. Okay, we got, you know, mediumship over here. We got deathbed visions over here. We got a near-death experience over here. We got Autobot, but they're not. They all have a common denominator of energy transfer and frequency alignment. And I'm a firm believer that there is a logical explanation for everything, including the spiritual. And so that's why I wrote the Afterlife Frequency to explain the different forms of spiritual contact through a scientific understanding, but I wanted to make sure that I wrote it in a way that anybody can understand it and enjoy it. Definitely an enjoyable book. The way you talk us through the science, I mean, it, it's not just you know statistics and whatnot. I, you really have a great way of explaining things and throwing in some entertaining stories to illustrate it as well. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I suffered through so many boring books in law school. Uh, I mean, it, I remember in in law school, you have to take, it's required, at least it was when I went, federal basic income taxation. In other words, the internal revenue code. That has got to be a quagmire. Uh, I mean, it's got to be one of the most atrocious documents ever produced. <laughs> And the reason that it's required is because it's how you learn to interpret, read, and hopefully make sense out of statutes. So it's all about statutory construction. And I remember uh, one time I was in the law library and I just wanted to beat my head against the wall. I was trying to read this statute that we had to interpret and it had all these exceptions and subparts and you know my head was pounding. And I looked up and there was a book on the shelf and it was about one of my favorite judges. And his name was Judge Learned Hand. Now, when you name your child Learned, okay, <laughs> he better end up being a famous judge because otherwise he's just going to get beat up on the way home from school every day, you know. So and the reason that I like Learned Hand is he came up with a lot of legal precedents uh, he lived uh, basically about 100 years ago, maybe more, but he developed a, a lot of legal precedents that we're still using, particularly in the field of injury litigation, negligence. And he was a, an incredible writer, extremely articulate. Reading his opinions was a joy. And and so I opened up the, this book and it went right to a passage that he wrote about the Internal Revenue Code. Now, talk about synchronicity. So I'm looking at this, and he said that the Internal Revenue Code is a labyrinth of cross-exceptions and, um, uh, what did he say, 
cross ex- cross references and exceptions that dance before my eyes in a meaningless procession. And I, I started it. laughing, going, "Okay, if Learned Hand had a hard time reading this thing, then I'm feeling a whole lot better about myself." So I promised that when I wrote books, because I knew I was going to write books at some point, that I would never inflict that upon my readers. Well, you didn't because it's a wonderful read and I can't wait to dive in. I actually have a a quote that I wanted to talk about and a couple of the uh, sections I wanted you to maybe touch on. Um, Let's talk about RAFT because I thought that was so such an interesting acronym. The RAFT technique, it helps people uh, understand spirit communication. And the thing is, my book is not about, the afterlife frequency is not about turning people into mediums, because not everybody is a medium. And a lot of my colleagues, uh, be your own medium, be your own medium. Uh, You have to realize that that's like me saying, you know, I'm going to teach you how to swim and you're going to win a gold medal in the Olympics. Okay, we can all swim. Uh, We can all bang around on a piano. We can all do math, but that doesn't mean we're all going to be a Michael Phelps, uh, an Elton John, or a Stephen Hawking, okay? But we can still engage in those activities. So, uh, Tanya, I was struggling trying to figure out how to say this. And I was working on the book, and I hit the dreaded writer's block. I, I mean, it, it, for, for anyone who has even you know written a high school paper, uh, a thesis, a book, writer's block's horrible. You just can't get anything. So I thought, all right, and the, the only way to deal with it is to walk away and then come back later. So I decided to go for a walk on the beach because I live near the ocean. So I'm heading down my driveway and all of a sudden I get cold chills and tingles. Now, I know that to be spirit communication. So I said, okay, something's going on here. And I did an about face and headed in the opposite direction to walk down this bicycle path. So I live near a bike path. So instead of going to the beach, I'm walking down the bike path. It's around, you know, it's midday, around 11 in the morning. And all of a sudden, something catches my eye. It's these two objects shining in the light. So I look, I walk up to them and it's a nickel and a penny. And I go to, 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 to pick them up and I hear, you know, my parents are in spirit. Both my parents have passed. And I hear my mother's voice say, if it's heads down, it's bad luck. And I started laughing because my mother's family is of Italian descent. And I swear the Italian part of the family has a superstition for every occasion. You know, it's like, you don't walk under a ladder. God forbid you break a mirror, you know, watch out for the black cat. So I'm laughing. And then I hear my dad's voice. It's money, grab it. And I'm laughing. So I pick up these two coins and I'm looking at them. I'm holding them in my hand and I go, oh, six cents. And I said, wait a second, six cents. And I realized this was not a, a random event that I had been guided to this place. And then in my mind's eye, I saw an, a vision, an image of my father standing in the ocean. My dad was a Navy SEAL. He was a NASA engineer and uh, swimming instructor. And he used to have this blue canvas raft. So I see him standing in the ocean holding this blue canvas raft. And I'm like, okay, dad, what are you trying to tell me? And all of a sudden it came to me, raft. Teach people how to recognize signs from spirit. Accept the contact is real. Feel it without overthinking it and trust the message. You go, oh my God, that's it. So I ran back to my office 
and the words just flew out of my fingers, writer's block, long gone. And I realized that's exactly what happened. And they even employed the RAF technique to show me how it worked because I, I, I was going for a walk. I felt guided to go in another direction. All right. And when I saw the coins and heard their voices, I recognized the signs from the spirits. I accepted it as real. Now, it's the F part the feeling without overthinking. This is where people go wrong. Oh, this is just a coincidence. It's my imagination. It's what I call cross-examining the experience. So you would have me believe, you know, and you start picking it apart and whammo, then you hit a dead end. Get rid of that. Feel it, don't overthink it, and then trust the message. And that's what happened. And the thing is, when I started writing about it, it it started to, to grow within me to to the point where the raft technique is not just for something like that it will help people make sense of a visitation where spirit communicates with you in a dream it can help you make sense if you have a near-death experience if you see a loved one dying that has a deathbed vision where he or she is interacting with spirits that are coming to greet them if you have an out-of-body experience, the raft technique has several different applications and that fit into the overall theme of the book is that how all these different forms of spirit contact are not separate phenomenon, but they all have the common denominator that they involve energy transfer and frequency alignment. My quote actually fits what you're saying. Um, I just wanted to read it. Spirit communication is transferred to us at lightning speed. It resonates with our body, yet our ego, that pesky creature manufactured in the human brain, wants the last word. This is why fear, rejection, or hyperanalysis can get in the way, thwarting the power of the message. Absolutely. And uh, I had an example of, of that recently. I was doing a reading for this gentleman was over the phone and his sister had passed recently and she came through her spirit connected with me. And I said, I'm seeing an image of your sister holding a basket of peaches. And he said, huh? Well, he goes, I don't think this is it, but right after she died, I went to visit her children, my niece and nephew, and I brought them a basket of peaches. But I don't think that's what she's talking about. I said, hold on, let's back up a bit. <laughs> okay. Now, I just don't fling out random fuzzy fruit hoping to get a hit. Out of all the fruit in, in uh, creation, the image of your spirit, your sister's spirit with a basket of peaches when you brought that very thing to her children to console them after she died. He goes, oh, yeah, wow, how would you know that? I go, I don't, but she does. And this is her letting you know that she's around you and aware of what's happening. And then he was like, oh my God. And see, he was so overthinking it. And a lot of people do that. You gotta go with what hits you first instead of overthinking it. I mean, his sister shows peaches. That's what he gave her children after she died. That's a yes, not a, oh, I don't think that's it. That's right. And 
that's what plagues all of us really when it comes to this kind of work and, and trying to connect with these signs. We just overthink, overanalyze, and we doubt. I like that Raft um, has the trust word in it. We need to trust what we're getting. We do. And, and the thing is, when I use an example like that, I'm not putting that person down. Most people don't do this on a daily basis. You know, you and I are familiar with this. This is part of our lives. So we know when a spirit gives us a message that you recognize, accept, feel, and trust it. And once you start working with it, it becomes second nature. And the trust factor is extremely important because there's a lot of people in this day and age who are saying, oh, I am receiving messages from God to tell people to put on bomb vests and blow up school children, or I was told to go and commit this heinous act or start an insurrection and, and all this nonsense. Those messages are from um, the quote you, you, you took, that pesky creature, the ego. Uh, messages from the divine, messages from spirits are never about anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence. And messages like that are merely an ego-driven, narcissistic person's agenda. And they're trying to look for some form of moral authority. You know, it's like the, these people, these terrorists who say, you know, if I do this, I'll go to, you know, whatever version of heaven I've concocted. Um, you don't get to heaven through murdering innocent people. Okay. God doesn't interject the presence of God into a political squabble, okay? Um, people think that that God does and or doesn't, uh, but but the thing is, messages from the divine, messages from spirits are about love, healing, resolution, and inner peace. I mean, think about it. Did you ever hear Buddha say, "Go and smite thine enemies"? Did you ever hear uh, Jesus say, go and kill people that don't agree with you? No. Okay, because Jesus and Buddha and all the great spiritual teachers were on that elevated level of consciousness, which is about love, healing, resolution, and inner peace. All right, so when you have people saying, you know, I am the um, political shaman or I am the, you know, jihadi, whatever, and I'm getting these messages well, they're getting messages, all right? They're getting it from their own ego, and that's where you edge God out. And what they're listening to as a is a me, 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 self as center of the universe to the exclusion of everybody else. And that's when you know the difference. So the trust factor is also extremely important in understanding the RAF technique. And that's discernment that it you're is. talking about. It, it is, you know, and in, um, in, you know, a lot of people um, like to say that, oh, well, what you do is against God. And it isn't because there's, there's plenty of folks who like to turn to Leviticus and Deuteronomy, um, Leviticus 19.26, do not practice divination or seek omens. Deuteronomy 18.10 through 11 talks about Stay away from people who practice divination, sorcery. But if you go to Deuteronomy 18, 21 through 22, um, the standard for what a prophet, which is what is meant by a psychic in, in Scripture, is truth. So if, if what the prophet conveys is true, then it is, is, uh, the, um, is the divine. 
And then when you go to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verses 4 through 12, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. And to each is, uh, is given a gift. To one is given the gift of prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. Exactly what you just said, Tanya. So there's a lot of people who want to take, uh, once again, the salad bar approach to, to Scripture and pick and choose what they want to justify their agendas. But you have to look at the entire document because there's many passages that reference prophecy, discernment of spirits, spirit communication in a positive light. Because that's what it's all about, is conveying messages of love, healing, resolution, and inner peace. Tell me about spiritual situational awareness. Spiritual situational awareness is about expanding your awareness beyond the five physical senses. Now, both my parents were mediums. My dad was a Navy SEAL and a NASA engineer. So he wasn't some fluffy, buffy, granola-chewing psychic. Mom was a commercial illustrator, an artist. You know, they were hardworking, really down-to-earth people, but they had these abilities. And when you're raised by a Navy SEAL, okay, Dad's mantra, be aware. Okay, that, that was his whole thing. You got to be aware. And if you look at first responders, police, um, paramedics, also especially the military, is situational awareness is a highly valued skill. And what that means is being aware of everything that's happening around you, 360 degree, you know, you just don't walk into a situation, you scope it out before you get in, you, you, you know, you walk into a crowded room, you check things out. And let me tell you something, this is something everybody needs to be doing, especially these days, you, know, you got to be aware of, of uh, you know, what, what's going on around you. And spiritual situational awareness takes that to a higher frequency, if you will, to where you um, are sensitive to the vibrational impulses and contact from spiritual entities. So, so it is taking situational awareness and expanding it to the spiritual. Does that sound far-fetched? Well, let me tell you something. Talk to a Navy SEAL. Talk to a Delta Force a soldier. Talk to uh, 82nd Airborne. Talk to a cop gut instinct all right now for our listeners let's call it women's intuition all right every woman who's listening and every man who's involved with a woman <laughs> knows that women's intuition is a real thing all right well let's let's guys let's call it gut instinct when you call it gut instinct that turns it more harrison ford more denzel more clint eastwood's like you know more of the rock <laughs> It's, it's the same thing that we're talking about. It is being aware to the vibrational frequency. You walk into a situation, all of a sudden you get that feeling in your the pit of your stomach, all right? Or what about those of you listening who are parents and suddenly you feel something's wrong with my child and then you get the call. So you get the sensation first. This is not some fluke. This is because we're all energetically interconnected and you're picking up on vibration. And in the afterlife frequency, I explain what I mean by that and the technical basis for how we're all interconnected. This isn't some, some um, 
some made up theory. This is based on quantum physics. And, and Tanya, if you'll indulge me for a second, crash course in, in physics. Everything's made of molecules, which are made of atoms, which are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons. Well, I had to learn that in school, all right? Well, we now know that electrons, protons, and neutrons are made of a smaller particle. Technically, an electron is one of those smaller particles because an electron is 1 1800th the size of a proton. So at the smallest particle level, everything is electromagnetic energy. And that means you. That means the chair you're sitting on, the car you drive, the light you see, the radio waves that are broadcasting this show, the sun itself. Everything is electromagnetic energy and everything is linked and everything on the subatomic level has a different vibrational frequency. So let's say something happens to your child and you pick up on it, that's because you're energetically linked, even though you may be a hundred miles apart or more uh, when it comes to this energetic link, distance is irrelevant. And scientists have proven this through quantum entanglement, that two subatomic particles, two quantum, even if they're separated by a billion miles, if you do something to one, the other one immediately reacts. So do you think it's any different for us? Absolutely not. So that's the electromagnetic soul that you talk about in the book. Well, the electromagnetic soul builds upon that theory, and that's a term that I developed to explain what we really are, which is a spirit, a soul. That's what we call this in the realm of faith, is a spirit or a soul. In psychology, science, and physics, it's referred to as consciousness. That's who we are. All right, that's our awareness, that's our memory, that's our personality. And the brain and neuroscience is the field of, of study that examines the human brain. The brain operates on chemical reactions and electronic impulses, but neuroscientists are completely unable to explain how the brain creates consciousness. That's because it doesn't. It merely hosts the consciousness the way your computer hard drive hosts Windows 10, Windows 11, whatever operating system you're using and whatever programs. So every great spiritual teacher, and we're going back to the sages of ancient India, even the ancient Egyptians, ancient Chinese, um, go through Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, Native American spirituality, all the way up till, till today. And the great spiritual teachers all explain that who and what we are pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then leaves after the body ceases to function. We know from the laws of thermodynamics and physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So the electromagnetic soul describes what we truly are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. It's giving me chills. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, you know, it, it, it took years to do the research on this. 
And then that was in conjunction with thousands of readings that I've uh, uh, conducted. And I began to see that there were patterns here. And then I started doing the research and I saw that uh, um, neuroscientists who believe in the afterlife and quantum physicists were also um, discussing these, these concepts as well. And so that's why I wanted to, to write a book that would bridge the divide between the spiritual and the scientific. Because traditionally, Tanya, the science folks have been in one corner. Oh, that's a bunch of primitive, superstitious nonsense. And then there's the people of faith. Oh, you're nothing but a bunch of heretical, blasphemous atheists. And so it, it was like that. And then with the advent of quantum physics at the dawn of the 20th century, we began to understand subatomic uh, relationships. We began to understand the laws of energy, that energy is eternal, always was, always will be. Gee, that's a familiar um concept always was always will be and when you start having people like albert einstein and and uh, max planck and Werner heisenberg you know talking about the spiritual and now we are are seeing that the divide between faith and science is beginning to dissolve because what people of faith have been talking about in in regards to eternal life certainly does not violate the laws of physics. That's right. Something that I like that you mentioned in the book too, you talked a bit about terminal lucidity because it's a very under-researched phenomena. Terminal lucidity is fascinating and I've seen it happen. When somebody is dying and their brain is severely damaged, it could be from Alzheimer's, it could be from brain cancer, it could be the comatose, maybe they had a drug overdose, uh, could be schizophrenia, could be traumatic brain injury. In the last maybe moments of their life, they come out of it and they're lucid and they'll engage in conversations with people around them. And this completely mystifies neuroscientists. If it were simply one type of, of brain disorder, then it might be explainable, but it's across the entire spectrum. This is a phenomenon that's been documented since the time of the ancient Greeks, Hippocrates. I think Suetonius and Plutarch, uh, the, the Roman world, also wrote about this phenomenon. So there's nothing new about it. It's just, you know, people are beginning to document it. But the one thing all neuroscientists do agree on is that the brain doesn't suddenly grow a billion new neurons right before death. So this also ties into the brain does not create consciousness. It merely hosts it. And, you know, the book, uh, um, The Afterlife Frequency, explains uh, my theory on why terminal lucidity happens and how it happens. So um, a lot of people find that that very, very interesting. I've even seen this happen in animals. Um, I know somebody, she she was holding her cat who, who um, he basically was in a coma. And then all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he took his paw and touched her face and then expired. I mean, talk about a tearjerker. You know, but th this cat was, I mean, was non-responsive 
And uh, the woman who loved and cared for him his whole life, he basically basically thanked her. And I've also seen this happen, um, you know, obviously with 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 humans, with people, and it it completely mystifies conventional science, which means that science is not static, and it's merely a matter of time before we conclusively prove this. And and I believe that that I have in the afterlife frequency. Very much so. And then just as well to go with that is the shared death experience, because that's also an interesting phenomena. Shared death experience is really fascinating because, all right, a near-death experience is where somebody dies and then they come back to life and they talk about, I went through this tunnel, I went into the light, I saw my deceased loved ones, I talked to God. And, and I'm not being facetious, I'm just summarizing that. And what it is, think of, all right, you're dying and you're attached to a rubber band, okay, and you're like, you know, and you get right to the point of death and you come back. Now, when I say point of death, I mean going to the other dimension, to the afterlife frequency. Once again, these have been documented for thousands of years, totally baffled religious uh religious leaders, because there's these accounts of resurrections where people are coming back to life and then talking about things that contradicted the religious dogma of the day, talking about reincarnation, talking about seeing deceased loved ones, talking about how we're all interconnected. And they've been treated as being a subjective phenomenon, but we've noticed there is what's known as the shared death experience where more than one person has the same experience. Now, this is most common in what's a, what is called a deathbed vision. Now, a deathbed vision is where somebody is actively dying, they're terminal, and they begin to say, oh, there's Aunt Martha and Uncle Bob. And they, they're talking to spirits or interacting with spirits. Now, Scientists have said, oh, well, that's a death, you know, uh, um, a hallucination, um, you know, grief induced hallucination, brain dysfunction, except for the fact that people in close proximity, family, close friends, hospice workers, other healthcare workers who are not in imminent threat of dying also see these spirits, also experience these phenomena, also maybe get caught up in what's known as the life review, where the person's life kind of flashes before their eyes. It's sort of a, a review of, of what you've done. And these are being reported worldwide. I am, um, they've been reported not just in the United States and Europe, but Central and South America, Africa, Iran um, has reported these. Uh, Japan, China, um, Australia. I mean, it's just amazing that all over the world, people are reporting this particular phenomenon. And in the afterlife frequency, I get into explaining how this happens, and it's all based on a, a um, overlap of frequency. The overlap of the person who's dying, uh, their, their electromagnetic soul, their EMS, is beginning to interface with the other side, and people in close proximity, their EMSs, their electromagnetic souls, start overlapping vibrationally 
with the transition. And so you begin to perceive these things. It's really a fascinating phenomenon. And, you know, some people think, oh, well, that's creepy or scary. Is it? So somebody you love is dying and they're communicating with people that they love and you catch a glimpse of that. I find that very, very healing, very empowering, and also as objective proof that physical death is not the end of life. Near-death experiences as well. I mean, people have been reporting all of these phenomena since the beginning of time. So, but in yeah, the, the yeah. yeah. No, no, they, they have. Um, once again, the Bible's loaded with these things. Yeah. Um, look at the, you know, in the Old Testament, Jacob's ladder. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He has a dream where he's um, angels are running back and forth be on this ladder, this structure between this world and the other side. Then the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about, I know a man caught up in the third heaven. Now, the third heaven is considered to is the realm of God. In other words, a man who went to heaven and then came back. And so a lot of biblical scholars and near-death experience researchers, myself included, we've analyzed this, and this appears to be an account of a near-death experience, very possibly Paul's, very possibly Paul's. Uh, the ancient Greeks, Plato, wrote a very in-depth account of a soldier whose name was Ur, and uh, Ur died in battle, and they put him on a funeral pyre. That's what the Greeks did. Greeks and Romans, they burn their heroes. So they're they're starting to light the pyre, and all of a sudden he comes out of it. It's like, hey, don't burn me. And he begins to, you know, of course, they don't, they don't burn him. But then he begins to talk about this transcendent realm that he went into. He talked about a succession of lifetimes that we have. Did he say, I met Zeus and Aphrodite? No. He gave an account of an afterlife that was so radically different from the classical Greco-Roman religion. The Greeks and Romans did not believe in reincarnation, but Ur spoke of it. He also spoke how we're all connected. Now, isn't that interesting, that interconnectedness? And that, once again, ties into my theory of the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, because we're all energetically linked through, um, through, through on the quantum level. And so when you start examining not just the historical data, but also the recent discoveries and observation where we're taking the scientific method and applying it to these situations, there is an explanation for everything, even the spiritual. The way I look at it, Tanya, is, you know, I've had people criticize me. You know, they send me nasty, you know, in, you know emails and things. And, you know, it's a free country. You have a right to, you know, be a jerk, I guess. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, actually, you don't. You should always be polite. But people say, well, what you're saying is against God. It's like, no, it isn't. All I'm saying is that God has a delivery system, okay? And that we are finally getting to the point in our technological advancement where we're starting to understand it. And to once again, that is a very, very exciting, exciting prospect. And that segues into what I wanted to ask you about the Soul Phone Project, because that's a modern day technique that's being developed right now for communication. 
It is. Uh, the Soul Phone, and I'm not at liberty to describe much about it, uh, but Dr. Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona, and the University of Arizona has been at the forefront of survival of consciousness and afterlife studies in conjunction, of course, with UVA, University of Virginia's Division of Perceptual Studies. And Gary Schwartz is and his team are actually developing a device that detects the presence of spirits and can communicate with them. Um, and that's as much as I am allowed to talk about because um, I'm on the board of directors of the Soul Phone Project, uh, but I also had to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Um, also, uh, the, and I, I encourage people to, to sign up, you know, get on the Soul Phone Project's newsletter so you can keep up to date on the latest developments. But it is very conceivable very possible, very likely that in the next few years, there will be a device that we literally tune into the other side. And, and that's just, I mean, when, when people say that, they're like, oh, that's crazy. It's like, is it? All right, let's warp back in time to the year 1900. Explain a microwave oven to people in the year 1900. See this little bowl of popcorn or uh, kernels. I'm going to put it in this magic box, press a button, and within two minutes, it will turn into popcorn or boil water. Okay. Try to explain a microwave oven to somebody in the year 1900. It was preposterous. It was science fiction. It was pseudoscience. Yeah. How many of our listeners have microwave ovens today? <laughs> You mentioned and just remind me of was it the was it Van Gogh the painter in your book? You talked about he had some advanced visionary ability as well. I can't remember if it was Van Gogh or um, it was Nikola he? Tesla. But there was a painter too. But anyways, okay, let's talk about Tesla. Oh, 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 Leonardo da Vinci. Sorry, yes, my mistake. <laughs> yeah, Leon, I, I was thinking about Van Gogh. Uh, or my Dutch friend, Van Gogh. All right, whatever. The guy that cut his ear off. No, I didn't talk about him. No, Da Vinci. Um, he, he, he was, yeah, Da Vinci. Okay. 500 years ago, Leonardo Da Vinci was drawing schematics for a helicopter. That's five centuries before we had the technology capable of creating one. Yeah. Now, how is that possible? So just because we may not currently have the technology to detect certain things or to craft, you know, to produce something doesn't mean it's impossible. Leonardo da Vinci, he, you know, he's in a very elite class along with, you know, like Stephen Hawking, Albert Einstein, Elon Musk. These people, they think so far out of the box that they're able to develop these amazing concepts. You know, 100 years ago, Albert Einstein said that there is a phenomenon known as gravitational waves. And gravitational waves occur when two black holes collide. Well, you know, that was nice. And uh, it was considered an interesting theory. And then in 2016, 100 years later, LIGO, the Laser Interferometer 
gravitational observatory detected gravitational waves from two black holes that collided 1.8 billion years ago. Okay, so scientific theory is now scientific fact. You know, and talk about us being interconnected. 1.8 billion years ago, there weren't even dinosaurs crawling around on planet Earth when that happened. So, you know, we have to realize that like a quantum, we are part of something much larger and we're all interconnected. So once again, I find all of this just extremely fascinating. And Tanya, that, that's one of the reasons, another one of the reasons that I wrote the book. I find this fascinating and I wanted to share it with people. And, and um, it's, it all stems from when I was eight years old, my dad was my hero. He worked with astronauts. Okay. We lived in central Florida and dad, you know, he worked near uh, Cape Kennedy and, uh, and I remember, you know, him, him talking about astronauts and, and one night we were looking at the stars. And I, I remember uh, when I got older, dad said, you're always a pain when you're a kid. And I go, why? I thought I was a good kid. He goes, you never stopped asking questions. <laughs> it was always why, why? But he liked, he liked explaining stuff. And he said to me, we we're looking at the stars. And he said, Mark, there's no such thing as a mystery. There's only a question for which we do not yet have the answer. And if enough research enough funding and enough focus goes into something, then we'll have that answer and it will be based on science. Let me tell you something, Tanya, that really stuck with me. Those are wise words. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, yes, I connect with his spirit, but boy, do I miss it, especially this time of year, you know, Thanksgiving just happened. Uh, Christmas is coming. I really miss my parents. And, and, you know, people think that when you're a medium and because I, I can connect with them, that, that it somehow doesn't hurt. And everybody hurts. Everybody grieves. And whether we like it or not, somebody we love is going to die. You know, I mean, yes, I've lost my parents. That's the natural order of things. For parents who lose children, that is the most crushing and devastating loss of all and you know my heart just just goes out out to them and that's another reason for my work is to help people understand that physical death is not the end of existence that somebody that you have loved so very much did not just disintegrate into the void that who and what they are continues on and this is not just my theory. We've got thousands of years of observations of this. We've had the last 50 years of survival of consciousness and near-death experience research where the scientific method has been applied to understanding this phenomenon. Physical death is not the end of our existence. The afterlife frequency. I encourage everybody to purchase the book and read and enjoy it. It's science, spirituality, and some great stories that you put in there. Really appreciate it.
Well, thank you, Tanya. I appreciate that. It's great having you back on the show, Mark. Wonderful to connect again. Thank you. And if people want to find out uh, more about um, the work that I'm doing, also, um, I invite people to sign up for my newsletter and you can order my book, uh, you know, it takes you to the Amazon link on the site or find out about my, my show every week, the, the Psychic and the Doc that I do with Dr. Pat Basili, the street smart spiritualist, behavioral psychologist, and we take calls from listeners. Uh, please visit my website, which is afterlifefrequency.com. Same as, same as, um, same as my book, afterlifefrequency.com. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Mark Anthony. For more on Mark and to purchase his book, please visit afterlifefrequency.com. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And visit wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart-mind. Be sure to join me next time, where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.